Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, conscience that made us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. We are Mojo and the Kitchen Brothers, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. Oh, 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 
Mojo and the Kitchen Brothers, you're all very welcome to concerts that made us. Thanks, man. Yeah. So this is actually the first time I've had everybody in the band on the show. So do you want to do you want to introduce yourselves? I guess I'll go first. (laughs) Um, My name is Wada. I'm the drummer of the band. And uh, I am Atas. I am the bass player of the band. Uh, I'm Yom. I uh, play guitar in the band. Um, I'm Luca. I play guitar and uh, I do backings. I'm Jules and I also play guitar. Nice. It's great to meet you guys. Now, you guys are being really good to your listeners this year. You recently released your debut album, Mojo's Heavy Cream and your debut EP, Flaming Tiger Lizard, on vinyl via the incredible Labear recordings. Tell us all the details about it. Um, well, the EP was recorded... When did we record it, actually? I don't remember. A couple of years ago, like two years ago, I think. It was in December? No, like in March or something. Jill it was in a... <laughs> I, I I can't remember. <laughs> no, in any case, let me check, guys. Let me check. <laughs> in any case, we recorded that one uh, a bit earlier on, and we actually already released it independently uh, on uh, Spotify and, and other streaming uh, services. But uh, actually, when we uh, um, uh, a short time after we released our. Uh, album we were approached by uh Leibar recordings right am i still right guys yeah, 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 right. yeah. Mm-hmm. and um desiree actually proposed to release both our our uh, album and our uh, ep uh, on vinyl so yeah we were really really surprised by that so we couldn't really say no i mean it was uh, a pretty quick decision to to agree to to go forward with uh Leibar. yeah it was uh, through the Rob um, Martin. I don't know if you know him from Rags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, like we know him, and he was a big fan of our band, so he reached out to Desiree and kind of got it working that way. So yeah, he tipped us to her. And then it all got started, I guess. Nice one, nice man. It must be uh when you guys are only together a couple of years. It must be kind of head spinning to get such success and such people in the industry coming and wanting to push your music out there yeah, yeah it's, we're, great. it's great very grateful very quick as you said like didn't expect it and i mean couldn't be more grateful really yeah because we've been like we've been like playing for what like three years now or something something like that yeah yeah and already like two vinyls out and all that stuff it's it's uh i think other people see something greater or something please don't say other people say see something greater than you guys do <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm staying a bit humble here <laughs> <laughs> and you know your sound has been described as a captivating bridge between the past and the present tell us about where this sound comes from and how you go about bringing such a familiar sound into the present for me, it all started during COVID. I got really into like 70s underground music. So not like 
Lexa and Led Zeppelin, but more like Jude and a lot of uh, brown assets from uh, writing records. And I got really invested into really like finding out how record the music back then. And yeah, like checking out music and trying to incorporate music is is a real journey and it's not that easy like using equipment and and all that stuff i mean that's how i got into it i don't know uh how do you guys see it but i think that sentence about the uh, bridge between past and present i think i i also something like that in our in our biographies i think it might have might have indirectly uh, come from me uh, <laughs> but, uh, Okay. Way I see, the way I see that is um, that we sort of use that um, late 60s, early 70s heavy rock bass and then try to see where we can go from there in terms of incorporating some more modern sounds or some, you know, more modern ideas. So in that regard, we, we, we take forms and sounds that are very um, familiar to people and try to infuse those sounds some some more contemporary interesting little sounds and flavors and i think it's really catching on because uh, our shows we always see you know, a very a very diverse um graphic in terms of uh, age i see i see and, you know, how did your approach to making music change between the EP and the album? Did it change much over that space of time? I don't really think so. Like, we've always been doing it. I mean, for the past years, we've been doing it the same way. Um, I also think, like, we don't have that much experience yet, like, recording. So it might change. We're, you know, in, in next year, I don't know. But right now, we stay the same. Yeah, I think just like I might have just changed, it's just that we've gotten more in tune with each other. So, I mean, I guess that's logical, but we play together the more get in tune with each other. And so that'll just make music better, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think is developing because we're starting to learn more and not only learn more individually but uh, as a group as well now we're starting to see what our strengths what our weaknesses are and you know we're starting to be able to play into those things more and more so uh, very excited to see what the what the future brings you know? yeah exactly exactly and you know i'd love to get some insights into when you guys are making music what does the process look like is it totally collaborative or does one of you come up with a part and bring it to the rest how does it how does it work well so far uh it's always been like uh, the first thing we've made is like a demo just on an acoustic guitar um that i wrote um but you know it it only comes alive when we play together um but usually it's just a demo and then we'll we'll figure it out during a rehearsal or something but yeah i mean it's only when we play together it, it that it 
becomes a full, you know, full song, really. Like the demos are kind of, are really simple and sound really bad. Yeah, my you opinion. Could say, you could say that they're kind of, kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. You know, but... but there are two main ways, right? There is the demo way, and uh, mostly Water writes uh, those uh, demos, the drummer. And then, uh, like he said, we 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 uh, breathe life into it on on a rehearsal. But also, what we're trying to do, especially uh, a couple of months ago, we had this very intense um, writing session. It was like a a week or a, a week, something like that. And then some, you know, you start jamming, and 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 an interesting idea can develop out of those jams. But we have um, discovered that that way of writing music just you know jamming something and then trying to to um, make it more of a concrete song is very difficult and takes a lot more time than just going into the studio with a, a set demo and just trying to replicate uh, what is already written but i think it's a somewhat of a more interesting way to to go about writing your music but it you know it comes with its disadvantages of course mm. I think the combo is really interesting as well. Like write a demo and you know jam, jam your way into it. I don't know, just yeah, you can do that as well. It's just an idea, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you know, I love asking this this question when it comes to making new music what part do you guys most enjoy and then the other side of it what part do you absolutely dread i just love it when it starts to come together you know when you're listening to uh playbacks of it and just you're just there and, and and you're sort of in awe you can't believe that you really just played or wrote that and to me the part that i dread is just sitting around and nobody's coming up with Thing. you know we need it we need a bridge we need some uh, rhythmic little thing to connect this part with this you're just blown out you know you have no inspiration at all yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. I agree. Or, yeah. or when when Mates like proposes something and nobody was really looking that happens yeah, sometimes that's also, also not <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think my favorite part, the whole writing process, is like right at the end when we see a new song for the first time. We see like the crowd's first reaction. It's always something that it doesn't really stress me out, but it excites me so much that I'm stressing about it or something. I don't. But it's a really magical moment for me, and I th I think I'm not the only one. In this, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get you. That'd have to be the best. And I suppose at this stage, so we'll dive into your influences a bit to give the listeners some insights into where you guys come from. So it's a bit tricky now, but if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine is seeing the Beastie Boys at Verichter. Uh, um <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I think that's it, really. I think I was about <laughs> years old or something like that. Yeah, I think like one of the first things that I remember was just like 
dancing on the kitchen floor with my brother was just like a boombox blessing piece or something. <laughs> Not very, very relevant <laughs> yeah. to this music right now, but yeah. I think um, mine was when I was six, I went with my dad to see um, Admiral Fee uh, in the cult center in, in Hustle. He's like this um, Belgian singer songwriter. He had a good time in the 2000s, 2010s, and stuff. And I think that moment was like, shit, it's just one guy on stage, and it really enchanted me in some kind of way. And I think that's where it all started for me. Nice, nice. And you know, what sparked the desire in you guys to become a musician? Can you pinpoint the exact moment? Uh, I think it was Ed is a musician. He played the piano and he used to take me to uh, soundcheck when he was playing a gig. And I just loved sitting around and uh, watching them yeah, set up everything and being in the soundcheck. I really liked the, the soundcheck thing because I, the shows, they were too late, so I had to go to sleep. But I really loved them being together and 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 uh, yeah, hanging around in the soundcheck. That's what I really liked. Damn, I, I still really know. like the soundcheck. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the anticipation of the show. <laughs> well, um, for me. Um, it was around the time when I went to my first first shows and stuff. But my dad was also a musician. And, um, he he like parents didn't put enough like effort into his um, into his growth as a musician and all that stuff. So every mistake his parents made, he set them straight with me. So like for example, he didn't go to like music school and all that stuff. And like the moment I could like play one note on the guitar it was like oh yeah we're sending you to music school now it's like uh shit okay another school hell yeah okay whatever uh but then like a couple of years passed and i went to see like uh, david gilmore live in tina i thought and that really there was like this song there's a song on the division bell called uh, marooned and it's like this fully um it has no vocals and all that stuff. And he started playing it and was like on the day Richard Wright died or like it was uh, then like a couple of years ago, of course. And he played that song and no vocal. So there's not really a specific story, but I just started crying. I was like, what the fuck is happening to me? And it was like, oh, shit. And I was like touching my dad, like dad, dad. Uh, what the hell is happening and I was like almost panicking and then I knew like whoa so music even without words can give off a kind of story and a message mm. that can make people feel things and stuff and then that's when I knew like oh I I gotta dig deeper in this in this thing this vibe uh, and I need to show that to everyone that that exists um, I don't really have a nice story as Luca, so I <laughs> can't really top that. I mean, I don't want to top that, but um, 
I think I, I grew up watching a lot of, I mean, I started playing drums when I was eight, I think, and me started with a skate part, really, a uh, rally hawk skate part. And he used a, a Steel Mill song, Green Eyed God. And I looked up live. I was about 14 back then or, or 15, I don't know. And I checked it and I saw the drummer playing and I was so, I don't know, it's just cool to watch. And I wanted to do it for myself. Um, and then like a couple of years at Desert Fest was the same thing. I, I mean, I like enjoying, I like watching shows, but I wanted to be on stage. Um, that's, it's, it's, for me, it's like a feeling that I've had since I was 14, I think. Like, I, I need to be on stage. Um, just, yeah, I don't know. That I can't really uh, explain it any better, I think. That's it for me. Yeah, there wasn't really a, a specific at which I decided to um, a musician, but uh, I've always been very musical. I used to dance a lot, and I also share the same um, desire or, or, or love for being on stage, doing stuff to entertain other people. I've always been like that. But I think that finally be deciding to become a musician has a lot to do with the sort of period from my 14th to my 16th, really, when I started getting to rock and roll. Um, I used to be like a drum and bass just uh, party. <laughs> that was raves but then i started listening to pink floyd and, and those just really changed me and uh then probably what made me decide to pick up the bass would probably have to be just seeing less claypool i mean i was like you know, he, he made the instrument so cool and uh yeah that was it really i think i started when i was, on, when I was 17 or 18 yeah, it was quite a process. Well, um, for me, I think I also just like started pick up guitar at eighteen, but like went off. Never really got like to it that much. I just played a little bit of guitar, and then one day, uh, had to ask me to jam, so we jammed, and he didn't really hear anything I was playing, but he still asked me if he, I wanted to like join his band. <laughs> so now I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, we're still stuck with him. <laughs> <laughs> so since then, I kind of like picked up guitar a little bit, and uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was already intrigued by it. Like uh, I always listened to a lot of music before, and I really I think like like what really made me like want to play guitar was probably like, "Maggot Brain" by Funkadelic, because I really love that song and it's like really. Yeah, I don't know, really emotional song. And there's uh, also one time I was listening to it, I was really high on Space Cake, and that was a very um, experience. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's about it, I think. And, you know, what is your guys' local music scene like? You know, we uh, we might not get some insights into it over this side of the world. So can you share anything for the listeners? I feel like in Antwerp, there's a lot of and it's new as well. There's a lot of like punk bands. Yeah, a lot of garage mainly. Yeah, like the Melheads and that 
that's really all I know about it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're pretty they're pretty big here, I guess. Uh, they're so, yeah. doing a great job. That's yeah, true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like punk or garage punk is is pretty allowed here. But psych psychedelic is also doing its uh, its uh, its march back now. Yeah, yeah. Or is it me? But because uh, like here in, in Limburg, you you're starting to like see some things and hear some stuff, and like, of course you have like what Koala Disco, Desmond Dandies, all that stuff. It's just everyone's trying to uh, to trip again on stage, you know. In the most um uh call it yeah most uh, regular way i guess i think we can definitely say the music scene in belgium is is pretty pretty much um very, very aligned right now yeah, yeah totally i think i think during covid everybody was starting to get you know so um creatively booked there was no no output for their desires or whatever and um, I think the end of COVID really sparked something. Uh, I've talked about about this with people before, and that a lot of people just, you know, were sick and tired of of doing nothing and seeing nothing and hearing nothing. That a lot of a lot of great bands were formed also during the years of COVID because you know there was nothing else to do. But now there are so many opportunities, so many cool venues, so many cool new bands, and, and, and we're all very, very, very friendly with each other. There seems to be a very good atmosphere. I'm really yeah, enjoying this, getting to know everybody. Yeah, I think Belgium's always been very lucky, like music scene-wise. For a small country, there's always been a lot of good music going around. I can't really tell if like it's different than other bigger countries, because I really know that much about them but i feel like belgium is like oh it's always had a good music scene like since definitely since the 80s or 70s maybe even so then yeah yeah it's true i wrote um i read like a lot of books about this actually that we're really lucky to have these little things in belgium that really help like beginning musicians and other artists and bands and stuff uh so yeah we're really lucky to be here actually <laughs> right not right. something you would hear a lot of people say regularly about belgium yeah. <laughs> and you know what the podcast is called concerts that made us so i have to ask as a concert goer what concerts do you think have made you guys well for me personally it, it would have to be uh I saw Radio Macau uh, at Desert Fest and Tricks, I think in 2050, something like that. And that definitely, well, it changed my life, but in a, in a really positive way. Like I wanted to do what they were doing. And I still think about it. I still think about that show. And, and like, I, I, Try to copy the drummer, but he, he moves cool, and 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 yeah, I, I try to do the same thing sometimes. I don't know. So yeah, that show really made me nice, nice, good one. For me, like like I uh, like I said, it was uh, that David Gilmore gig in uh, Tina that made me cry 
<laughs> I was thinking yeah. you'd say that one, all right. <laughs> yeah, like obviously, like come on. Yeah, I don't know how um you guys went to like shows and like cried, but it it doesn't really happen that often with me. So mm. I find it so hard to think back on things. Sort of just uh, creates this void in my mind when I try to think of the concert that made me. I know some recent ones that I really, really like. Like in terms of, of of very formative concerts, I really don't know. I distinctly remember. Uh, I think it was a Bloody Beetroots concert I saw at Pickle Pop that really blew my mind, and it was in in, in sort of that transitional period of going from drum and bass to to rock and roll. But uh, oof, I really don't know. Yeah, I would either. It's just I mean I've enjoyed a lot of concerts, and I probably cried at more than one, but. <laughs> I, I re- I really wouldn't like, like well, Matthias put it more beautifully, but I just have bad memory basically. I don't really know which one formed me, but yeah, <laughs> there were just a lot of good ones. Um, I think uh, I did a year of, of work at a, venue, a big venue, uh, Sport Palace in Belgium. It's, it's, it's not that really cool, but uh, and I saw a lot of shows there, and I think. Not probably one show, but the whole year was like I would do this as well. I saw the Stone Age that was cool, the cave. And it was all uh yeah, really overwhelming. But it was nice. It's that's all that sounds like a, a pretty cool job to have. Yeah, it was uh voluntarily for the scouts. We had to sell soda and stuff. And beer <laughs> was not nice, <laughs> but then you could watch the show, and that was cool. So, yeah. and beer, beer. <laughs> walk around with a beer uh, on your back was heavy. It's surely worth it though to get to see great bands like that for free, yeah. And you know, for any listeners that haven't caught one of your shows, what can they expect? Give them the full experience if you can. We can't give him the full experience. Uh, <laughs> they can't. They can't even see. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I've asked that question so many times now, and you're the first person that's actually said that. I've been expecting really? it. So well done. <laughs> okay, so it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can expect a lot of energy and just genuine uh, enjoyment. You, you can expect to see genuine enjoyment from us, and I think that really. Um, uh, you know, gets people going. I think people really like to see that, and uh, you'll also hear a lot of um, improvisation and just small details that are very distinct to one particular show. So it's never going to be uh, the same. So, uh, also in that regard, it's hard to tell people. You know, you you expect this, you can expect that. One thing you can certainly expect is uh, some great dance moves and uh, and and you know a lot of enjoyment. But other than that, you know, we might play brilliantly. We might fuck up. Uh, anything, anything can happen. It's it's yeah, the essence of a live show. That's what we bring to a, to a gig. Sounds good. Sounds good. And you know, when you think back over gigs that you've played, is there one that sticks in your mind as maybe the best experience you've had? Well, so far we've never had. I mean, after a show. Usually, like a couple of guys go like, "Well, that was the best show I've ever played," 
Um, but we've never like never all had that feeling. Like I feel like whenever two guys, maybe when I play, I, I we'll finish a we'll finish a show when I go like, man, that was the best show I've ever played, and then like the other guys go like, well, I, for me it was shit. So. <laughs> I um so it's hard to say really um i mean it's hard to say what the best show was but for me um man i don't know i mean I, I, just for the full experience i think like one of the first shows we ever played was such a rush um i mean it's still a rush but you'll never play your first show again you know But what about in terms of venues? What was the best venue we ever played? Or or like the most fun crowd? I think for me, perhaps it was one of the worst shows I played. And I think a lot of people will agree. That one uh, show we did in Tricks after the Black Angels. Uh, yeah. that one, well, that's what I mean. Uh, like That was yeah. a pretty good. great show for me. <laughs> for me as well. <laughs> But the thing is, we... We didn't really, or I, at least I didn't. I, I, I screwed up many, many things. But after that show, you know, we got such a huge applause. It was, it was, it was deafening, and uh, there was there was such a huge amount of people there. So, yeah, to me, that was probably one of the highlights. I think maybe we shouldn't think of like, oh, I I did it bad, but they did it well. So what's a good show anyway? I think it's. We should think about like the general outcome and what people thought and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's a better way to think about it. So I think like every every Gabon show we ever did or something. Mm. Yeah, always yeah, always, always hit well. Yeah, and down the hill, I think. Yeah, yeah. Good for us. That was, that was a nice yeah. show. Yeah. So also just nice because we were like open the day and there was mm -hmm. already like a lot of people and a lot of people were interested and. Like a lot of people came to buy a record, and yeah, yeah they were all just really excited about it. And yeah, don't always have like, open I, a I show, spoke, like open a like, festival song. When we yeah. had our show in uh, in Tilburg, uh, mm -hmm. I talked to people who were like, "Oh yeah, I, you guys are down the hill, and I I couldn't for you guys to play in the Netherlands stuff." So I immediately came here, and I was like, "Holy shit! Okay, that was so cool." Yeah. Right. right and you know when it comes to showtime then do you guys have a pre-show or post-show ritual how do you psych yourselves up and then afterwards how do you wind down there isn't really any set ritual to do right we don't we don't have no. a, we don't well, have a, a no, shout just, or just have a couple beers before and have more beers <laughs> after I guess virtual yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it. That's <laughs> it. A simple band, right, right. and you know, say you know on a on a Friday night, you play the best gig of your career, goes perfectly. You wake up the next morning and it's kind of back to reality. How do you deal with that feeling? Hmm. I am just getting excited for the next thing. There's not really any any. Um, uh, I don't really miss it. I'm just glad I played it, and you know, just on to the next one. That's at least the game for me. 
It's a good way mm-hmm. to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also always do recover after a gig. <laughs> so it's uh, watching a show a bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And what would you say has been the biggest challenge you guys have faced as a band and how did you deal with it? For me, the hardest part of being a, in a band is being apart from each other. Like I... Yeah. Real no, but I get really stressed out like Cutie. when we're texting and, and there's like a miscommunication and right, yeah. That's really stressful because it, it never really happens when we're face to face. Um so it's it's a different thing, really. So that's the hardest part for me. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a real challenge. Yeah, just uh disagreeing um on on you know facebook messenger or whatever it is just because in that way of communication there are a lot of opportunities opportunities to misinterpret what somebody says then it can often derail we really have to think about just staying calm and just keeping the the the, the discussions uh for a face-to-face conversation i'd agree with uh on that one very good point yeah, and I think planning, but it's not just in the band, it's just myself, but I, it's really hard <laughs> to do yeah, something yeah. free and, because you might get a cool gig. So, yeah, that's that's a hard part as well, I think. It really yeah. uh, forms your life in a way. Yeah. Yeah, we still have two rehearsals to plan, so um, we'll talk about that later, hey guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can do it now, like, when are you guys free? <laughs> yeah, don't mind me if you want to. If you want to go ahead. <laughs> You're more than welcome well, to join if you want. So. <laughs> I'll clear the triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Need someone, man. <laughs> and you know, I'm sure it really happens from what I can see from talking to you guys, but how do you handle disagreements or creative differences within the band? Well, I, I feel like there haven't really been many um well in the musical way, um, been a lot of disagreements. Um, I mean, obviously we all have a different music taste and but we kind of just try to blend it all together in that way there there's no possibility for or no room for disagreements um i mean that's how i how i feel like uh it's been with us i don't know uh how to rest yeah the most the most important thing to always remember i think in in terms of uh or when when there is a a, a disagreement is just to whatever you do don't take it personal you know, when except when somebody's personally attacking you, but that's something we really don't do. <laughs> but it's just important when somebody, for example, says, "Hey, this this bridge here, or uh, you know that chord there, or this riff here, I don't really like it. What can we, can we change something about it?" It's important to then you know take a step back and realize that they're not looking up, you know they're not trying to trying to diss you or or whatever with that uh, statement. Mm. absolutely it's very good advice and 
Can you guys share how you go about building a strong fan base and how you maintain that connection with them? I feel like so far we've been very lucky to uh to be able to to play shows in Antwerp. Like uh, Cabron is a uh, I feel like it's really important for us or has been very important to us because like it it's always a really packed venue. Um, doesn't really matter what band comes there like it's just a tight-knit community um and we've had you know the luck of playing there and and the people seem to like and uh they st- i guess i mean at least all of them stay um and yeah we we them very often so yeah we got very lucky with uh, i think location and just the people are great here yeah, I think we're very lucky, but mostly with people like, uh, like for example, uh, Rob Martin and uh, and who else? Who else is there? A lot of a lot of people that are somewhat established in the music scene that really that really believe in us and help. Uh, well, for example, Jacques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So these are the people that are that have somewhat of a name in the music industry, definitely in Belgium, and they they believe in us and that's how they you know they talk when they talk to people they mention us and i think it's also a big yeah big big part of our uh the creation of our of our fan base and also mm-hmm. just being upfront, being friendly you know always talking to people being humble yeah big shout out to jan vigria and the guru guru of course <laughs> yes sir <laughs> And to Rob Martin and Rags, definitely. And Joe. And Joe. And definitely Desiree, because oh, yeah, really really important to us. But like, yeah, we got we got to her through Rob, I guess. So like our network really, really helped us you like grow as a band and hopefully also just like makes us like like yeah, just uh, I don't know, keep our momentum going, I guess. Mm-hmm. Keep you inspired and motivated. Just, yeah, and also just a lot of friends and family that also support us. And really, I mean, because like when you ask the question, it's like, yeah, we just like have a lot of friends and family that always support us, but like probably grown to be a bit more than just friends and family at this point. So yes, right. And this one was interesting though. How would you guys like to evolve as a band? What would it be like say in five years' time? Oh man, I, I... I really try my best to not overthink. I mean, overthink. I, I just I felt I feel like we always just go with the flow. Like we never really think too hard about anything. Um, so I don't really see that changing. I mean, I f- at least I know I'm not changing that way. Um, but for sure, like I wouldn't have evolved to playing bigger stages all that stuff but i mean that's that's kind of obvious i think um yeah just just go bigger, go go international yeah uh, but i'd also i'd also like to like get a lot better you know uh <laughs> yeah. down the hill i saw i saw i saw canan play i don't know if you know the band that what's it a norwegian but i think yeah norwegian yeah canan, or whatever, however you would pronounce it they just blew us away. 
I would very much be able to play a show like, like they do, you know, and just to to shred like an hour long this with the most incredible music. And that's one one thing I would like to change. I think we're really, really good, but uh, you know, we get so much better. So that's what one thing I would like to see evolve. Nice, nice, good one. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans that are set in stone, anything on the horizon you want to tell us about? I mean, now I'm really looking forward to you. Uh, we just um, participated in a competition called Soundtrack. Um, it's just like a, a big uh, battle of the bands kind of thing. Um, but we actually made it to the final round. Um, and in December, I think we're playing a show in Trick, yeah. and that's nice. uh, I'm really excited about that one. Yeah. And the upcoming albums, and we're also looking forward because yeah, because we got a lot of material, and we only have to refine it, and then uh, we'll be coming along with uh, new albums very, 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 very soon. It's good to hear, or relatively soon, I'll say. It's very good to hear. And I suppose for anyone that's uh, interested from listening to this interview, where's the best place to get the vinyl? Uh, for now, we, we don't have a, an online shop of our own. So, you know, if you come to a concert, you, we always got some vinyl with us. But uh, if you're listening to this from, uh, you know, a place that is not Jim or not <laughs> the Netherlands, uh, you'd best go over it uh, on the... On the, the site of Lay, Lay Bear Recordings, I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's just laybearrecord.com. Yeah, yeah, you'll definitely be able to find it there. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, we'll uh, we'll dive into the last couple of questions. These are a couple of random, odd music questions, but uh, I'm intrigued to see your answers. So, if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh, Frank Zappa. I like the quickness in your response. That was that's, quick. That's yeah. easy, easy, easy question for me. Yeah, Zappa and the mothers, you know, just get my freak on. Yeah, baby. Good one. <laughs> uh, for me, probably Jimi Hendrix. I don't know. I really want to see him go at his guitar like crazy, I think. Like when you see his live shows, he's just having sex guitar, basically. Yeah, you'd like to see that. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I would, uh, I'll take my camera. <laughs> Dirty boy. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I have no idea. Right. However, I would love, I would actually just love to see us live, but of course I can't. But Whoa. Damn. <laughs> it's about meta, yeah, but. At least we're not dead, and that's cool. That's one I've never had before. Hmm, I'd like to see myself live. <laughs> I just wonder how it is. It's not. not it's really disappointing. Oh, uh, yeah. no, no, no. I think I think I would love to see uh, Matt seeing Frank Zappa. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd probably cry. Yeah. <laughs> Good ones. I would, lo- I would love to see Buddy Miles. Um, 
I just got into him recently and, and I've been blown away since. But unfortunately, he's Yeah. I'll uh, have to travel back in time for that one. This is where the odd part comes in. So if you had to spend 24 hours locked in a room with any musician from history, who would it be? If not Gigi Allen. <laughs> no, you don't want that. No, no. no. I don't think I want Frank Zappa either because I think it would just <laughs> drive me nuts after a while. <laughs> hmm. I think Morrison would be very interesting. Say the least. Be a bit dangerous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Really fun question, but it's a hard answer because musicians are very often sort of weird. (laughs) It's a lot of fun to spend like four or five hours with them, but uh, to be locked in a room with them. Yeah. However, I would love to like spend 24 hours with like Bruno or something, just say crazy stuff and make music around it or something and just do Mm. something weird. Like he also uh, did like a tour. There's a video on, of it online, and it's so he's so weird in his doings, and I'm just wow, that's so cool. He's he's really cool. I love him. Well, uh, I'll have to agree with Matthias. I uh, musicians are crazy. I don't know. They're uh, so I mean very often they're very unpredictable. I feel like so I'll be scared. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of a normal one. I think probably Leland Sklar would be would be a very yeah nice, yeah. Uh, a couple of cups of coffee. Nice, nice. Here's an interesting spin on that same question. Then I just thought of if you guys were locked inside a room and had to get out, which one of you guys would be the best? to get out and which one would be the worst <laughs> to get out oh, <laughs> uh, Jules would probably get out of there really yeah, 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 yeah. he's a uh, very agile <laughs> and determined I think yeah. I think with yeah, the rest I'm not that like... handy so I don't know I think I would trip and with the rest of us, it's more like, oh, fuck, we have to fight that person or something. <laughs> I think we would work to the... <laughs> no, we would I'd all make it out. your legs before I work together. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think Jill would, uh, would make it out first. Okay. Don't, nope. don't really know why, but... <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if he would want to make it out. I think... Want to start a new life in that room? <laughs> With you guys, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. Maybe he'll be the guys locking you all in the room. Not like <laughs> <you're actually. laughs> Probably. Oh. Yeah. And the uh, the final question. So, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Oh, I, I'm. I'm opening my playlist right now that's a good question <laughs> let me think about this one bobby brown goes down <laughs> no that's a very bad 
<laughs> you don't you don't want the things that are said in that to be associated with your life. No. <laughs> well, no, perhaps like uh, like one of those very nice um, Nino Rota uh, film soundtracks uh, from the Italian art cinema, like those fun little circus uh, things, but yeah. with a tinge of the, the, the uh, tinge of the dramatic. <laughs> right, right. I think I would the uh, Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Thinking outside the box now. <laughs> For me to be a uh, Ventura Highway, uh, America, and that's a uh, a beautiful song. Good one, good one. Fair. Poor dude, I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> My my brain is so every time someone asks me like, a music question, my brain just shuts off because it's <laughs> it's full of full of information. It's just like ah, oh, uh, everything is cool, you know. Like, yeah, so I say everything and nothing. <laughs> right. Okay, okay. Another answer I haven't had before. We'll go. <laughs> <laughs> We're a very special bunch. You know? <laughs> Oh shit! Um, <laughs> soundtrack of my life. Oh. Um, what did the others pick? Everything and nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, that's a good one. Pretty, um, pretty decent, if I say so myself. Uh, I won't look too far. I'll be staying alive by the Bee Gees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, right. Good one. Excellent choice. Yeah, 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 I agree. Nothing too deep. Listen, guys, it's been an absolute blast now. I've really enjoyed chatting with you over the last hour and getting some insights into your career. Thanks a million. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, man.
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up to Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.